Welcome to Her Story Sessions. I'm Brittany, a woman on a mission to learn more about women throughout history and to share it all with you. If you like the show, be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and can be emailed at herstorysessionspodcast at gmail.com. The gods and goddesses of Greek lore are fascinating beings. Neither completely good nor bad, they each have their own unique characteristics and flaws that make them still relatable thousands of years later. They show up in popular culture today, and many people know of at least a few of them. I'm actually in the middle of reading a digital comic called Lore Olympus, which is focused on the story of Hades and Persephone, but many other gods and goddesses are part of the story too, including the Olympian women I'm talking about today. They are part of the goddesses of eternal maidenhood in the comic, or just maiden or virgin goddesses for historical references. There are minor goddesses that were also virgins, but for today I'm just talking about the Olympian ones, part of the twelve that make up the major deities that live on Mount Olympus. These would be Hestia, Artemis, and Athena. These three were never married and remained abstinent. Hestia is the goddess of the hearth. She was the personification of the fire kept burning in every home and public place, symbolized by the hearth, the fire, and the kettle. Keeping the hearth fire going was an important task for all Greeks, and it was never to be allowed to go out. The fire at home is where they cooked all of their food, how they warmed their homes, and the center of family life. Fires also were kept in public places like seats of government and temples. Because of this, she is also the goddess of home, family, domesticity, architecture, and of the state. Not only is she part of the first Olympian generation, but she is the oldest of them all. The firstborn of the Titans, Cronus and Rhea, she is the older sister of Demeter, Hera, Hades, Poseidon, Zeus, and a half-brother, Chiron, who was a centaur. She and all the others except Zeus were swallowed up by their father, Cronus, and stayed in his belly until Zeus, who was the youngest, forced him to regurgitate them all, and Hestia, having been swallowed first, came up last. This gives her a sort of duality of being both the oldest and the youngest in Greek lore. Later, the gods Poseidon and Apollo both vied for her hand in marriage, but instead she went to Zeus and swore an oath of chastity. This vow also meant Aphrodite had no power over her. Zeus blessed her vow and gave her a position at the center of the household with the duty to maintain the Olympian hearth fires with the fatty combustible parts of the animal sacrifices made to the gods. This was an honor, but it also meant that she had to stay by the fire and tend to it, and could not ever join the other Olympians in their ritual processions through the heavens. Because she did not leave the home, she does not show up in many mythical stories, and her only manifestation among the humans was the crackling of the fire. Aristotle stated that the crackling of a fire is the sound of the goddess laughing. She did have the honor to always receive the first sacrifice, with the first bit of wine or the best parts of food thrown into the fire for her. All fires were a place to worship her, even in the temples of other gods. Since the home hearth was a place to worship her, there were not many temples dedicated to her. It was common practice that the first and last libations of wine at a feast would be offered to her, and meals likewise began and ended with an offering to her. In the home, it was usually the matron of the family that was responsible for this, and performing her rites in public spaces fell to civil servants that currently held office. For the fires within the seats of government, high-ranking officials did it. The domestic pig is the sacrificial animal associated with her. 
Fire was seen as a pure element and as purifying, which is probably why she was worshipped as a virgin goddess. She is considered the gentlest and mildest of all of the gods. Not much artwork does exist of her, but the small bits that does usually shows her as a middle-aged woman wearing a head veil. She's sometimes shown standing by a large fire, carrying a staff, or holding flowers. She's part of one story that does tell of the near attack on her. Hestia was invited, along with many other goddesses, nymphs, and satyrs, to a feast held by the goddess Cybele. After plenty of feasting and dining, Hestia lay down to take a nap. Priapus, a minor fertility god, spotted her and tried to sneak up on her with the intent to force himself on her. But she was saved when a nearby donkey brayed and startled her and the guests, and Priapus was chased away. Since then, donkeys were rested and garlanded on Hestia's feast day. Spending most of her time outside roaming in the forest, Artemis is very much different from Hestia. Artemis is the goddess of the hunt, the moon, chastity, nature, and childbirth. She is symbolized by a golden bow and arrow, a hunting dog, a stag, and the moon. Like Hestia, though, she approached Zeus and asked to remain a maiden forever so that she made vows of chastity with his blessing. She is the daughter of Zeus and from one of his many affairs, this one with a goddess named Leto. She's twins with the god Apollo. The story of their birth is that she was born first, then immediately helped her mother give birth to her brother, acting as a midwife for her. Artemis believed she was chosen by the fates to be a midwife because of this. She is the patron and protector of women and young children and both brings disease upon them and relieves them of it. According to the ancient Greek poet Callimachus, she spent her childhood searching for the things she needed to be a huntress. As a young girl, she went to the island of Lepara where Hephaestus and Cyclops worked as blacksmiths and boldly approached them and asked for bow and arrows. She practiced archery at first with trees and then moving on to wildlife. She then went to visit Pan, the god of the forest, who gave her seven female and six male hounds. Last, she captured six gold-horned deer to pull her chariot. She's usually depicted with these things as a beautiful young woman in a short knee-length tunic suitable for hunting. As a moon goddess, she is sometimes shown with long robes and a crescent moon crown. Artemis was widely worshipped throughout ancient Greece, and her temple at Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Many different Greek cities had their own festivals in honor of her. In Sparta, they also made sacrifices to her as a patron goddess before going on a military campaign. In Athens, prepubescent and adolescent girls were sent to the sanctuary of Artemis at Bararon to serve for one year. They were referred to as Arctoi, or little she-bears, because of a myth based in the city. According to the story, a bear would regularly wander into Bararon, and the people fed it over time so it became tame. When a girl teased the bear, it either clawed her eyes out or killed her, depending on the version of the story. In revenge, the girl's brother killed the bear, and this enraged Artemis. As atonement for the bear's death, she demanded young girls, quote, act the bear at her sanctuary. Along with Elethea, she was worshipped as one of the primary goddesses of childbirth and midwifery. As it was both a common and important event, there were several goddesses associated with giving birth. Between the 8th and the 6th centuries BCE, it was common after a successful childbirth to dedicate clothing to her sanctuaries as thanks. She could be feared by pregnant women, as deaths in childbirth were attributed to her.
Any women that became priestesses of her temples were required to take vows of chastity. This was an important part of her persona. Part of it plays into her role as a huntress, as hunters would abstain as a form of ritual purity before a hunt. It is also related to her power and independence, a sign that she is not subservient to any man, although later Greeks just saw her as asexual and the opposite of Aphrodite. She's very protective of her vows and severely punished anyone that tried to take that from her, and she was also said to punish her temple priestesses if they broke their vows. She never loved any man in the original myths about her, but more modern versions say that she loved Orion. In the original versions, Orion was just a hunting companion of hers. But there is a story that he wanted her and tried to pull her robes off, so she killed him. Alternate versions state that it was a scorpion sent by Gaia or one of Apollo's arrows that killed him, both for the protection of Artemis's vows. In fact, several people were killed for the protection of her vows. Another story of a hunter, Acteon, is that he saw her bathing naked in the sacred spring. Whether he was just attempting to see her naked or go further and force himself upon her is another detail that varies, but either way, as punishment, Artemis turns him into a stag and he is attacked and killed by his own hounds. A young boy from Crete named Separates also saw her bathing while he was hunting, but as this was purely accidental, she doesn't kill him and instead just turns him into a girl. When Callisto, who as one of her huntress companions had also taken vows of chastity, is tricked and raped by Zeus, Artemis is enraged. Callisto ends up having a son, Arcus, from this. Possibly with the help of Hera, she turns Callisto into a bear. Arcus almost kills the bear, but Zeus stops him at the last second and places the bear into the heavens as a constellation. There are many stories of her striking out at those boasting they are better hunters than her too. These stories, and many more, show that Artemis could be a vengeful goddess, but not just for transgressions against her. Harming one of her sacred animals, a deer or bear, could also incur her wrath. She punished Agamemnon, for instance, when he killed a stag in her sacred grove. When he tried to sacrifice his daughter Iphigenia, Artemis snatched her from the altar and replaced her with a deer. She took her to Taros, and Iphigenia became a priestess of hers. The last main goddess I mentioned in episode 20 about Medusa's origin. She is the goddess of war, wisdom, and handicrafts, Athena. She was also the patron of many cities, including Athens, and the Parthenon on Acropolis was dedicated to her. In the Parthenon, there was a gigantic statue of her made from ivory and gold, which has long since been destroyed. Athena's birth story is a little different from others. It's said that one day Zeus had a mighty headache. And then suddenly, Athena burst from his forehead, fully grown and fully armored. She became the favorite child of Zeus's and had tremendous power because of it. She is an urban, civilized goddess, the opposite of Artemis. She was never swayed by love or passion and remained a maiden goddess. She shows up quite a bit in various types of ancient Greek artwork, especially in work originating in ancient Athens. She usually is portrayed wearing armor, a helmet, and her shield bears the image of Medusa, which is also one of her symbols. Her other symbols are owls, olive trees, and snakes. The olive tree symbol stems from the story about her contest with Poseidon over who would become the patron of Athens. They both argued 
that they would be better protectors of the city, and to prove it, Poseidon struck his trident into a rock which created a seawater stream that welled up in the temple Erechtheion. Athena simply planted an olive tree. Cecrops, the founder and king of the new city, was a judge of the contest. Seeing that the tree would provide them with fruit, oil, and wood, he deemed Athena the winner and the city was named after her. Athena later had a contest with a weaving student of hers, named Arachne, who became arrogant in her skill and started boasting that she was better than the goddess herself. Athena took the form of an old woman to warn Arachne about offending the deities to give her a chance to redeem herself, but Arachne merely scoffed at her and wished for a weaving contest so she could prove it. So Athena challenged her to one of weaving tapestries. Athena weaved the scene of her victory over Poseidon for the city's patronage and also included the twelve Olympian gods and the defeats of figures that challenged their authority. Arachne weaved 21 episodes of the infidelities of the gods, including several of Zeus's affairs. In it, she represented the unjust behaviors of the gods towards the mortals. Athena, although impressed with her handiwork, was enraged at the subject choice and lost her temper. She destroyed Arachne's tapestry and loom and turned her into a spider, dooming her to weave forever. As the patron goddess of heroes, she was also associated with many heroic myths. One of the bigger ones is her part in the Trojan War. She and Hera were enraged at Paris, a Trojan prince that awarded Aphrodite as the fairest goddess, as Aphrodite had bribed him with being able to marry the most beautiful woman on earth. But this woman, Helen, was already married to King Menelaus of Sparta. This started a war, and Athena and Hera sided with the Greeks against Paris. During the war, she helped both heroes, Diomedes and Achilles, fight, and when the Trojan women go to her temple on the Acropolis to plead for her protection, she ignores them. She also struck the hero Ajax with madness during the war. Besides the Trojan War heroes, she also helped Odysseus during his ten-year journey by guiding him back to Ithaca. She gave Bellerophon the golden bridle to capture Pegasus. She also helps Jason, Cadmus, and Argus in their respective heroic quests. During the Twelve Labors of Heracles, also known as Hercules, she helped him during the Sixth, Eleventh, and Twelfth Labors. First, she helped him scare off the enormous Symphalos birds by giving him noise-making clappers called Crotola. Then she helped him hold up the world for Atlas while he fetched the apples of Hesperides for him, and after Heracles presented them to the king, she returned them for him. She also helped escort him out of the underworld with Cerberus, and when madness overtook Heracles and he tragically murdered his own children, Athena stepped him and knocked him out before he could also murder his own mortal father. She also has a story similar to one of Artemis's, where she is bathing in a spring with the nymph companion Charoclo. Charoclo's son happened to be hunting nearby and came searching for water at the spring. Inadvertently, he saw Athena naked, and so she struck him blind. Charoclo begged for mercy on her son's behalf, and Athena told her she could not restore his eyesight, but she would grant him the ability to understand the language of the birds and foresee the future. Athena has remained a popular figure throughout time. Early Christian writers saw her as representative of everything wrong with paganism, but in the Middle Ages, many of her attributes were given to the Virgin Mary, 
became widely used as a Christian symbol and allegory and appearing on some noble family crests. She was a popular subject among Renaissance painters, and during the 16th and 17th centuries, she was used as a symbol for female rulers like Elizabeth I of England and the French queen Catherine de' Medici. During the French Revolution, while statues of other pagan gods were torn down, statues of Athena were not, and she became the personification of freedom of the Republic. Today, she remains a symbol of democracy in Western culture. There's even a full-scale replica of the Parthenon in Nashville, Tennessee, including a 42-foot replica statue of her inside. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session.